Aloha Maui Nui. Hey, this is Josh Porter. And Jason Verkard. Welcome to the Solar Coaster, episode 102, Roger Brule, talking about container houses. Love Container them. houses. Container houses are an interesting conversation, but I mean, we're really talking about reducing carbon, economizing home energy use, increasing the availability of affording, affordable housing, and raising the standard of living. There's a lot going on here. I just want to get right into it, actually, because, uh, yeah, I, I had a really great time meeting with Roger, so much so that we did actually two shows, as you know. Yep. Uh, and, I know. You know. really kind of blew me away. I did, I didn't, um, I did not expect the, uh, the type of conversation we had to kind of gravitate towards energy in such a clear way. Yeah. You know, yeah, that's absolutely. what kind of blew me away. So you ready to get into it, Jay? Absolutely. Okay, folks, this is the Solar Coaster. We are a renewable energy-themed talk show right here in lovely Maui County. We can be found Fridays at 105 p.m. on Ka'oi, 1110 a.m. Also some FM stations, 96.7 FM Central Maui, 96.5 FM Westside, 98.7 FM Upcountry www.solar-coaster.com is where you can find all our old shows, numbering over 100 now. Uh, check out all our visits to other places, photos, blog entries, all the things we do, all up on the website, solar-coaster.com. You can also get us on iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn, and soon to be... Oh, Spotify. Spotify. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hey, we've got some great sponsors out there. Sundrum Solar, Pantech Design, and LG Chem. This is a call-in show. 808-242-7800 is a call-in line. Uh, we're going to have a recorded session in a moment, but if you'd like to give us a call when we are on air, go for it. Right? Absolutely. Uh, let's go to the Pantech Design Minute. Pantech Design Minute number five. Smart, configurable backup power during grid outage. It's all in the circuit breakers. Systems with controllable circuit breakers, a Sonon Ecolinks battery, and an Adapt EA energy automation package can benefit from what's called smart, configurable backup functionality. This allows the system not only to focus on managing excess energy production over what you're consuming, but further tailor energy consumption based on needs and priority defined by you, the homeowner. So in the event of a power outage, the system will provide backup power to specific circuits based on a predefined set of rules in the ADAPT EA package. When a power outage occurs, the Sonin Equalinks begins providing backup power to the main panel. You are notified by ADAPT that it is providing backup power to your home, and you're presented with options on what you would like to power. If no option is selected, the system can be configured to default to a predefined mode of operation. The ADAPT DA package then sends the selected profile to the controllable breakers, which then actuate the selected circuits to on or off position based on the user's selection or the predefined mode of operation. This unprecedented control and functionality allows you to have more power over longer run times for only the devices you need during an outage scenario, delivering safety, security, and functionality when your family needs it most. This has been the Pantech Design Minute. There you go, Pantech Design Minute number five. Pantech Design Minute is never a minute. <laughs> never a minute. I will say this: cool I technology. met up. I met up with the Sonum folks in California mm -hmm. recently. Uh, Laird and uh, a couple other fellows, and they were installing uh, new Ecolinks and Adapt uh, Pantech design, uh, designed uh, systems in Los Gatos, and they were working on something in Sonoma. So we're seeing kind of a percolation, a flurry of these systems getting installed. So right. we're going to get more much and more. Much more affordable, really, really cool, living in the future. Yeah, and if you <laughs> want to be uh, the first in Hawaii, you should give give us a call here at the Solar Coaster. We can make that happen. Absolutely. All right, ready to go over news and events, Jay? Oh, right away. Uh, you sent me, as always, a boatload of news, but this one stood out to me as really, really weird. There's a couple different articles running around. Uh, solar panel demand will cause a spike in worldwide silver prices. Oh, no. What are you talking about? Uh, well, if you look at a solar panel, you'll see the little lines down the side and call them bus bars. Um, those are have a, have a significant amount of silver content in them. And even the backside contact silver, the backside contact um, 
panels have a significant amount of silver in them. You can't just take a sheet of copper and lay silicon on top of it. There will be at least a tiny gap. You need something with that is both uh, thermally and electrically conductive. So, and the silver paste, I've actually known about for a long time because I worked in IT and you use it between the actual CPU and the heat sink that goes on the system. So this silver thing, it can be real, but the more I dug into it, the more I think it's absolute clickbait. <laughs> oh yeah? Well, there's, so, so it sounds like there's silver in not only the connections that transfer the electrons between the uh, the, the cells right mm -hmm. on the panel, yep. but also it, as a glue, you had said. For yeah, it's a bonding material. A bonding kind of material. And yeah. you actually showed me a little bit like the, the picture of that glue. Right. Uh, so silver is a, a critical component of solar panels. Absolutely you said that you had also told me that it reduced uh, the amount of silver that used to be used well, in panels. Reduced that's the reason. That's the reason why I don't think this is quite quite. They're saying that it's going. The silver is going to be uh, significantly more more valuable because as our need for more solar panels goes up, which we're hoping is a, a ramp projection uh, right now, the um, the silver will become a hot commodity right. as we try to make all these panels to save our planet. But there are alternatives, surely. There are alternatives. You can use aluminum and or copper to do a, a similar thing. Um, they're not as good. As mm -hmm. for thermally and electrically, they're not as good. But like I said, if you go back and look at historically, um, we actually used to use about 400 grams of silver per panel. Yeah. That was in 2007, and we're down to uh, 130 grams already because it's because it is an, it's a precious metal, a semi-precious metal. They use it, and they want to cut as much as possible. So, right. they, so manufacturing techniques have gotten better. We're using less silver per panel, and they actually extrapolated it out that we're only going to be using 65 milligrams per panel by 2028. So, so some insight into one component of the of the reduction of manufacturing costs and the reduction of of you know wholesale costs of the panels right there. That's yeah, one absolutely, area. Absolutely. That kind of illustrates, you know, yeah, what's and being the, and saved. it's going to be by by twenty twenty eight. It's going to be fifteen. What did you say? Fifteen percent, I think, uh, ish, of of its former two thousand seven value, the, the right. actual material uh, right. value. Right, right, right. So, so I don't, I don't see it. Uh, I, <laughs> I wish that, that there's our finance and well, financial advice. There may be a plateau. I mean, as we significantly ramp you know, right now, there's going to be demand for silver for sure. Uh, right. But but as they they use less and less, it's going to be. Well, one of those areas where uh, the the glue is used mostly, it sounds like, is on the backside of the the, the cell, right? Mm -hmm. And of course, bifacials bifacials don't work like that. Don't work like that. So that's one. You know, if we start using more bifacials, you know, and that that's a big part of the the growth. And yeah. maybe that. Well, smaller work. smaller bus bars would also be good. I mean, reduce uh, resistances, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. um, of course, better efficiencies. Better there? efficiencies, but of course, it's a balancing act because you're trying you're trying to push more power per panel, which means you do need mm -hmm. larger bars. So. Ah, okay. <laughs> Okay, I think we've hit our geek threshold. Yeah, absolutely. So, <laughs> very good. And there was another article saying just the same thing. It seems like there's a lot of clickbait. There's out a there. lot, yeah. A lot. Oh, of, well, no, everybody. Well, once everybody, expensive. once one news company comes out with it, everybody else picks right. it up. So, <laughs> there's that. Um, there's another one that you sent me though. That this was weird. Home batteries can sap your solar system's value. Wait, what? <laughs> what are they talking about? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, they talk a little bit here about the. Uh, there's there's two conversations. One is uh, they're they're talking about the the overall return on investment of a system, but they also mm -hmm. talk about the energy return on investment. Sure. Right? And so they're in this conversation, they're saying that you know you have a certain amount of energy that's put into a uh, solar system to create it, uh, to panels to create it, and that's mm -hmm. oftentimes a fossil fuel-based manufacturing process. Right. right. So, so you're talking about actually making the, bad, panels the panels and the battery and the racking and everything, yeah. and transporting it around the world, et cetera, et cetera. And depending on where it is, and depending on various you know aspects like the on the sun and things like that, it's like a 14 to a 20 
27 time payoff mm-hmm. in renewable electricity. Um, so, I mean, when it comes to these batteries, they're they're starting to discuss some of the you know some of the potential drawbacks here, right? So, what kind of I, I suppose there's a manufacturing conversation. Then there's also an expense conversation, right? Mm-hmm. So, what are we uh, going? What are we adding to the overall expense of this? Now, this when we when we talk about a NEM environment where we're able to utilize the uh, the the grid as a theoretical battery, utilities mm-hmm. don't like that, and <laughs> yeah. that's the, your solar system creates a great return on investment because you you're basically are you're, it's a virtual battery for you, right? Um, and in those environments, you don't a battery doesn't make a lot of sense and definitely is going to re- reduce your return on investment because basically what you're going to get out of it is energy security. It's a whole different value proposition, right? Absolutely. But, I mean, the batteries aren't aren't terrible. I think they said that they, you're going to get 8% less out of your battery. I think the inverters and batteries, I mean, the, a, a lithium oh, now you're talking technology efficiency battery, well, that was yeah. one of the significant losses that they were talking about. Yeah. Um, the inverters aren't that bad. They're they're not good, but they're not that bad. And a lithium technology battery these days by itself is almost ninety nine percent efficient. You get in what you what you get out what you put in. Right. Right, right, right. So I don't see this eight percent number panning out either, and it seems it seems inflated to me. <laughs> but the but the whole the whole I mean, we're when we're we're living in a post NEM world, which we do here in Hawaii, um, this doesn't pencil. Right. It's you know it's what, what I got out of this was that we're, we're trying to have conversations on a national level about mm-hmm. the overall value and return for solar, the overall value and return for solar plus storage, and it and it varies. It varies based on utility programs available, the amount of sun that's available, um, what you're using them for, and uh, so they're they're having a rough time. I think having this national conversation because it's kind of like it's it's it, it's diverse. The settings are diverse. The environments are diverse. Yeah, and I think at the end of the day, it all comes down to policy. The last thing in, in here was they were talking about the uh, the Nevada crash <laughs> where mm-hmm. they uh, were they were doing them and they stopped and they offered a significantly lower tariff which is the money you get back from feeding back to the grid and there was a massive public outcry and they eventually came back and reversed that policy and now you get what 95% of the retail rate right. which is close that's cl- pretty close to them Right, 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 right. They also have this statement here, which I kind of like the language they use. As rooftop solar and large photovoltaic power stations grow, electricity grids will not be able to accept more afternoon power unless new uses of cheap afternoon electrons grow. So they're talking about, you know, what happens as, as more and more solar is put on a grid. And sure. they are acknowledging that this study did, uh, needs to kind of be able to take more information in about that. Sure. So very good. I mean, cool stuff. You know, we're starting to see the conversation anyway on a national level about batteries. All right. We only got a little bit of time left for news. I do want to say that there is a consumer affairs uh, report now that's saying homes with solar panels sell for nearly 5% more. Uh, they do reference a couple things in here. Specifically, Zillow has now created the Sun number, which is going to be attaching to all its uh, listings, which is kind of cool. I actually dug in. I plugged in my home. I tried to figure it out because I have solar. Uh, I couldn't find the Sun number anywhere. But it's nice to start to see the conversation with something we've always believed is that having solar adds value to your home. And it's nice to see a, a substantial, uh, substantiated uh, report on Absolutely. That. More to talk about with that. We'll do another real estate show shortly. We'll cover that. One other thing, two other quick things. Statewide, 963 solar electric permits were issued over the first quarter compared to 1,031 in 2018, bringing the overall number of permits issued across the state down by 6.5%. If mm. we're in a solar renaissance, what's going on, Jay? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I don't know what that is. It's, it seems like people are confused. They're waiting for a couple 
bits of legislation to come down. Who knows? Um, Who knows? But get out there and get more solar, folks. And we're gonna before we <laughs> head over, just gonna a quick shout out to Energy Toolbase, one of a uh, contributing member of the Solar Coaster in the past. They opened up a new office in Honolulu, which is pretty cool. They're talking about doing business in California, Hawaii, and Australia, and that's why Hawaii is a great place to set up shop for a software company. Yep. Isn't that cool? Congrats, Energy Toolbase. They will be on the show on May third. Let's jump over to our uh, commercials, and we'll come back with Roger Brule from uh, Tiny Container Homes. Pantech Design is ushering the world into a new age of home energy automation through the convergence of smart home technologies and renewable energy management. Unifying solar energy production, intelligent energy storage, and smart breaker technologies with smart home devices, Pantech Design's complete home energy automation suite incorporates unprecedented control of lighting, shades, climate, security, hot water, electric vehicle charging, and many other systems. Contact Pantech today at PantechDesign.com. Sundrum Solar is the manufacturer of a revolutionary thermal collector that fits on the underside of your standard PV panel to maximize energy capture per square foot. The Sundrum Solar Hybrid PVT system, combined photovoltaic and thermal, holds the world record for peak efficiency, capturing an astounding 86% usable energy. Learn how Sundrum Solar vastly improves electric, heating, and cooling economics at sundrumsolar.com. LG is a leader in the home electronics industry and manufactures some of the most popular PV panels as well as many other appliances we've come to know and appreciate over the years. The same LG brand offers the LG Chem Rezu battery line for your home energy storage needs. Here in Hawaii, their primary model is the LG 10H Rezu with 9.3 kilowatt hours of usable capacity. The LG 10H Rezu can be used both to maximize consumption of solar energy at home and also functions as a source of backup power in the event that the grid goes down. LG Chem has increased production of their battery line for Hawaii's renewable energy solar market. Contact your local solar provider to learn more about the LG Chem 10H Resu battery. We're here with Mr. Roger Brule. Did I say that correctly? That is correct. Yeah, Roger Brule. You can pretty much say it any way you yeah. want because originally I'm from Switzerland, but my parents are Dutch. So wherever you go, they pronounce it a little bit different, but there you go. Gotcha. Okay, so really excited to speak with Roger here. Roger is from a company called Tiny House Container. There's a website, tinyhousecontainer.com, that you can check out. And Roger's a, a friend, mutual friends have introduced us, and we kind of are traveling in similar paths here in the discussion about alternative living and about uh, discussions on energy and how to uh, how to approach this in kind of some new ways. So we're here to learn all about how to convert shipping containers into living environments and about your experiences and who you are. So why don't we just start out, welcome to the Solar Coaster. Thank you very much. I really appreciate you taking the time. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna just start right from the beginning, just get a sense of who you are, what your background is, and then how you find yourself in this really unique career that's very, very relevant to everybody out here in the world, but also in Hawaii in particular, because there's a big affordable housing crisis. This could be one of those one of the solutions. So please uh, introduce yourself, let us know a little bit about, about yourself. Yeah, so my, my actual background is I'm a helicopter pilot. That's pretty much was my career for the last 25 years. I'm, I've always been interested in uh, you know alternative uh, living and uh, alternative energy uh, resources. And like everybody else that's kind of interested in this, my head was like spinning with, with many, many uh, ideas until at one point it kind of all funneled down to these 20-foot shipping containers. All of a sudden it just, it went through this little, little hole and like, that's it. 
Okay, so that's that's pretty interesting right there. So you've kind of focused in on this very, very specific solution. And so of course it begs the question of why. I, I got a sense for some of these answers, but what was the what were the big rocks of the conversation? What were the big steering points that brought you that? Yeah, uh, once again, since I've been flying, you know, helicopters and, and you fly helicopter, well, of course Hawaii is a fantastic place to to do tours and stuff. But they are they're they're never there where you actually live. You always have to commute. It could be uh, uh, you know, a, a commute to the Gulf of Mexico. It could be, you know, if you have an ambulance job, like I live in um, in the D.C. area. I used to commute up to Philadelphia, New Jersey. And so life always changes, and they, they open bases, they close bases. I mean, you could you could just basically get a phone call, which actually happened to me, and the next day says, you're out. You want another job in three states over. You know, so what do you do? So you live somewhere, and like everybody else, you want to have a regular life. But now you're, you're basically, you're, you're kind of forced. I mean, I love, love flying, so not really forced, but you're forced to go somewhere else. So whatever you have, you have to take with you. So I like being in nature. So of course, my dream is to have a house, a cabin, or you know something in nature. But if I move three states over, how do I get that from there within a short period of time? Well. For most people, if, if you're depending on a job the next day, you leave all the stuff behind and try to you know, put it in self-storage or whatever, and then try to figure out how to get there. So the same thing if you have some, some sort of mobile structure, like you know, a, a, a camper or whatever it is. So it would be standing three states over for the next six months until I figure out what to do with it next. And that's where this container comes in, because it's a shipping container. You just lock it up, walk away, and uh, a similar situation has actually occurred that nine months later, I finally got to get it because uh, we moved from Savannah, Georgia to DC. So nine months later, I was finally get the container and then take it with me. So the, the process of, of transporting was relatively easy, but of course you have to find a time to do that. So it was, the shipping containers are really great for that because you can just leave them where they are and you come back you know, months later or, or something, and you just open them up and they're still as, as you left them. This is fascinating because what you've, what you've described to me is something that I've thought about uh, a lot. I, some of my businesses over the years have required me to move around quite a bit, and I've kind of fantasized. I mean, you know, I've, I've, I've started houses, closed down houses, apartments, everywhere from, you know, New Jersey to Tokyo to Osaka, different places around the world. And that's a that's a process, right? Yes. Buying all the stuff, getting rid of all yeah. the stuff. Yeah. And then if, and, and the thing that's interesting about our society now is that we work differently. You know, we're a global society. So a lot of people are doing this. They're moving. They're changing jobs. We don't keep one job for 30 years and stay in a, in a place, generally speaking. So this is kind of an answer to a very relevant, meaningful kind of question that people have, which is, how do I go about participating in the global business marketplace and maintain some semblance of normal, like, home, right? And you've got, this is the, one, of the, one of the driving factors that led you to this. It's awesome. Absolutely. You know, when I grew up in Switzerland, which is a very small country, you know, it's only 200 miles across. And what happens there, somebody in Switzerland buys a house and wherever the job is, you can commute there because they have fast rails and everything. But we're not living in a little little place. So moving or to maintain your mobility is for me, if you look at the houses, houses are very static. You cannot take a house with you. And our lives have become so dynamic. So there is a real, uh, you know, a real 
yeah, uh, lock right in between. You, they, they do not convert. So every time you go somewhere else, you got to rebuild your, your life, your house. And, you know, if you're fortunate enough, for some of us, they go into a house and find the perfect setup, and now you leave, it, takes, it, it might take years to get that back. So with this, with this shipping container, I wanted it to be mobile and also highly modular. So everything has to be able to be taken off, put back on, everything has to be able to be transported so that you can, in this, this whole dynamic environment, you can also add, you can subtract or whatever you need to do while you're going on with your life. So uh, that's that's fascinating, and I have to uh, confess, I'm a bit of a container home aficionado, a bit of a container home junkie. Really like looking at these things. I probably spend way too much time online just geeking out, looking at container homes. I think because they're fascinating for all the reasons that you've you've suggested. You know, it's remarkable to think that we're moving 40 foot, and I know container homes. I understand go from. Some, from even small little cubes of like around eight feet maybe of length, eight by eight, to something like upwards of 53 feet, I think is maybe the top end of that. They got about, is it an, I'll just let you tell, what, what, let me just ask you rather, what are the diameters, what, what are, what are the, the, the dimensions and the, and the boundaries of those dimensions of containers? And then why did you choose the 20 foot uh, varietal? Should I say that? I, I've, yes, um, I've of course looked the same thing, Googled it or whatever, and looked up pictures and all these uh, variants and, and the possibilities. So yeah, correct, they, they start at actually six foot cubes. So this is like those, uh, what's that, Russian babushkas where they, 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 they kind of go into each other, literally, you know, yeah. you can literally transport them. And, but you know, for, for practical purposes, the 20 foot uh, shipping container is, is the smallest uh, uh, for that you can kind of set up for a living. I mean, they have 10 by 10 foot, uh, 10 by 8 feet uh, cubes. Well, you know, you can put a bathroom in it or something, or just one room. But the 20 foot is probably the first one where you can put two rooms in, which that's what we did. And then it goes from there, 40 footers. And uh, then you have the extended versions. You have high ceilings that go up to, I mean, ours is uh, 8 feet and 6 inches tall, and you get up to uh, 9 feet uh, plus, and then all the way to 53 uh, feet, I think 53 feet uh, long. But with the 20-footer, um, first of all, I just like the dimension. If, if you look at it, it's, it's, uh, it just, you know, the dimensionally looks, looks nice. That's my personal opinion. And I think a lot of people that share um, the fascination by containers have somehow, some brain function is the same thing. They just like the, the, the size of it, you know. Um, and then they've got, you know, people that like 40-footers uh, too. Yeah, I just got to say something. It's, it's, it's so uh, directly related to what you just said. Yeah. I was driving down uh, Baldwin Avenue uh, yesterday, which is the, the street that you're, you're staying on, yeah. down towards Paia, and on the right-hand side I saw a food truck. And the food truck was it was it had been it was a 20 foot container on a uh, a large high trailer. It was still on a, a high trailer, uh, like a semi trailer, um, and it had been completely redone. And it was a beautiful gray, and, and you could tell someone put a lot of uh, uh, energy and money into it. And I looked at it and I thought, there's something just inherently aesthetically point on about the dimensions, the proportions of that size that I really, really like. And, and, and I guess maybe the difference between that and like a 40, obviously go, oh, a 40 foot container, you can do so much more with it, it's bigger, blah, 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 blah. But it's kind of like 
um, uh, like it's like a little bit too long, kind of like thin, and it doesn't quite fit dimensionally. It's not quite as 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 uh, I don't know aesthetic in some way. I I, th it, I think that brings it right to the point. I mean, you know, take cars. I Means you can argue with people all day long if you like this brand or that brand. People, I don't like this brand. I like that brand just because of the looks, not what's inside. And I think that's similar with houses. We all like have something something there that we that we like to uh, look at and that's uh, you know with a shipping container I, I like the clean lines uh, they're they're square you know and uh, and and for me square is is you can make things efficient you know uh, they're not aerodynamic <laughs> or you know but they're you can make them very efficient to 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 use that space uh, uh, you know uh, and, and and build build things with it yeah Okay, great, excellent. So I get a sense for why you chose the 20-foot uh, size. Just to recap, that was based on the first kind of uh, s size option within the containers uh, that you could have a couple of rooms and actually have a full living scenario. And then also uh, something about the aesthetic that just seems to speak to people. So you've got this size that you've chosen. Um, what are... Uh, yeah, what types of structures are you building? What types of decisions are you making? Um, and then, yeah, where are you going with it? And what's that? Yeah, I have a hundred questions. We'll start with that. Good. So originally, I started doing containers in Savannah, Georgia. Uh, so they, they kind of designed to be used about uh, nine months a year. I call that the three season. You can, you can choose what season that is. I think for Hawaiians, it might be a little different to understand what a season is, but but uh, but they were not designed for high heat, like, you know, 100 degrees uh, uh, temperature and all that. But in Savannah, um, you know, you, you get colder days, like Florida is, is kind of similar than here. You get a very, uh, actually, Florida gets a very hot summer, kind of a mild winter. In Georgia, you get a mild winter, but also with some cold days. So it can be, you know, down to 40 degrees uh, or something. So. I was thinking, well, how do you, uh, in, 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 you know, in, incorporate that? So the the, the the season or the zone, you know, the, um, the the climate zone was very important uh, for me at the beginning to to figure this out because one of the the key moments was um, we owned a house down there in Savannah. Uh, it was a January day. It was 45 degrees out, and. Uh, we're, we're having the heat, heat in the on, of course. You know, the heating was set at 68 degrees. Uh, we don't need it too warm, but 68 was nice and comfortable. The heat, heat is going. And I had to go up in the attic, get something. And you have, whoever has an attic has been there before. You, you roll down that, that little uh, wooden ladder and you go up there and I was sweating up there. It was like 90 degrees, at least that's what it felt. And I'm like, we're downstairs, I'm using the heater and I'm upstairs and, and, it's, and, it's, and it's hot. So for me, that didn't make sense. There is free energy up there and I'm using, I'm paying for energy downstairs. So how do we do that? So a lot of that I have started to transfer to the shipping container where we really use in the winter, uh, use the steel as a heating source. So um, um, now that we moved the whole operation to uh, Berlin and, uh, one, one second here. You just said something very interesting. You're using the, the, the steel in the structure 
so an, as a heating source. That's a, a very interesting statement. And then we also, you, you started this conversation with energy, which of course I really appreciate because that's kind of where our, our, our focus you know, has kind of come from, right, with the solar coaster. So you're looking at these inefficiencies in existing uh, residential settings, really, really significant, profound inefficiencies. And then now you're, you said that you're using the actual structure uh, to, for a heat source. So I, I'm, I'm dying to hear about this. Good, yeah. So just imagine a regular house or even even smaller houses. And, and of course, I exempt Hawaii from this. But if you're in a lower 48, the first thing nowadays that everybody does is add insulation, add more insulation and even more insulation. Okay, well, insulation is not an energy source. It just it just prevents, you know, the heat exchange. But of course, if you're sitting in like in a shipping container as a steel structure, you can use that, for example, in the, in the, in the summer, as, as, as crazy as it sounds, the steel cools the inside, and in the winter, it warms it up. Give you a sample, uh, like this winter, um, you know, it's 40 degrees in the morning, and when the sun hits it, about an hour later, you can switch all the heat off inside. It warms it up. So it's, uh, it's like almost like a conductor of, of heat? It's all conductor of heat, and because the entire uh, container is a steel thing, it also conducts the heat around it, you know, so it's like if you have a, another type of structure, it might be better insulated, like, let's just take a wood structure, then the heat comes on one point on the wood and heats up that wood, and it doesn't dissipate it. So that's why, for example, in a wooden structure, that when the sun sets, you still have to get that air conditioner running for a long time because, yes, it took longer to transfer the heat, but that, that heat is still stored in the wood. So this is this reminds me of our conversations about air conditioning and about the uh, inefficiencies of using air conditioning in different ways. You know, a lot of people come home late in the day, crank the air conditioner on, and then it's hot in their house. And what they're doing is they're trying to move that energy, that that that, that energy that's been stored in the ballast of all the things in their home out and they're trying to cool these things as opposed to cooling themselves right and it's this really uh, energy intensive endeavor so in the in the, the winter or spring you know where you have uh, uh, quite a bit of you know temperature changes uh, in the lower 48 you can really make use of that so during the day you heat it uh, with uh, well pretty much solar and if it gets you know if it gets warmer than you wanted inside you open the first door it's even warmer than that. You open the second door, and as soon as you open the second door, you get a draft through it, and it cools it right back down. So uh, I had situations uh, like this winter. This was my first winter uh, uh, up north, uh, where you actually you have the big container doors open because I situate the container north-south. So in the winter, you open those big doors, and the sun comes right in. So it just... It's nice and warm inside, and about an hour before the sun sets, you got to think about what the temperature is going to drop down to, because you got to start either the, in the northeast, uh, either have to start putting the wood stove on, or uh, electric heat, or you know heat exchange, or whatever you have. But you got to think an hour before, because as soon as the sun sets, the temperature drops like every, and then you then you at that point, um, uh, you, you you just have to heat it like a regular, uh, you know, regular. Um, I wouldn't call it a regular house, but you have to put heat into it, you know. Okay, so this is this is fascinating. And I gotta tell you, as a self-professed guy that's really into containers, never crossed my mind what you just said. <laughs> Not yes. once. And then as an energy guy, yeah. this this yeah. thing you just said to me never crossed my mind. So uh, I think it's fascinating. So 
let me just recap what I think I heard. You're, you're, because the container, the structure itself is a is a is a opt is a very very good or an optimal kind of conductor of energy. Rate would you say radiator? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like a radiator. It it, it takes heat, it le releases heat. So yeah. Okay, so it takes heat and releases heat kind of efficiently and quickly, right? So because of that, you're able to in a, in a pa kind of passively utilize the sun's energy to cr to maintain an optimal uh, living temperature. Correct. Yeah, and that works really well um you know it's almost like um there's also I, I have to admit a psychological component to it uh like when when you're outdoors um you your 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 body somehow adjusts to to temperature much easier like, i mean, I mean you, you if the, if the temperature outside uh, changes by five degrees you're not gonna every time run and get a jacket or take something off so it has to go up 15 degrees or whatever so but when you're inside your your body if in, in a completely closed structure where nothing is open you're much more sensitive to heat could also because of the humidity or the dust or whatever it is so if the temperature goes up by five degrees you're you're, you're putting the air conditioner on or, or 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 of course in our case you open the doors so when you have all the doors open you have sun coming inside it's like we're actually sitting here on a, a, a where we are today and it's an open space and it feels good and it's the same thing in a container you open everything up it's like an outside space you're like outside you're just sitting underneath a gazebo or uh, you know pergola or in the shade somewhere it's the same same effect even with that sun burning on top of that container uh, because the underneath uh, the container is is open so it's, it's of course elevated about 12 inches above the ground so if you have a slight breeze it, it just takes all that heat uh, that that container absorbs from the sun, and it's it's um, it, it just dissipates it in all directions. This is unreal. I get it. <laughs> it's so funny because if you if you if you just if you just start to imagine yourself living in a container, you go, oh, it must be hot, like being in a metal box or something yeah. in the summer. But it, what you just described makes perfect sense to me. And so now, what I'm hearing is that this type of a structure offers a new opportunity for uh, how we. Uh, what type of energy inputs are necessary for in our living environments? That's kind of the gist of it. Yes, absolutely. You know, and and uh, I think with the shipping containers, I mean, you know, like like a house, like like in the northeast, it it's built for a for an ex extreme temperature difference. I mean, it can you know it can go zero degrees, uh, you know, Fahrenheit or minus 18 degrees Celsius, and up to 100 degrees Fahrenheit or uh, you know 37 degrees Celsius. So that's a big range. And I think with, uh, if you look at alternative structures like a, like a, like a tiny house container, um, you have to manage that more actively. But you can go through, uh, through that range. So the energy, you're always gonna think, is it, is it getting energy or is it releasing energy? So the sun in the winter helps you and in the summer you're gonna kind of dissipate. That's interesting language. You said manage it more actively. And so it's interesting because I used the opposite word a moment ago, passive. And I think what my, my, my discussion, my, my thought was, is the, the integration of energy from sources like, like fuel or, or air conditioning. That's kind of like an active kind of thing. But, but what you're talking about here is the personal's interaction, your personal interaction with the structure, right? The, 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 you're dynamically making decisions about the structure itself to change the way the temperature and the energy is kind of flowing. Yes, absolutely. It, 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 you have to have that awareness 
uh, about energy. I mean, you gotta, and, 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 and that's why this tiny house uh, container is so great because it's of course a small space. So managing it is, is relatively speaking, if you want to manage it, easy. I mean, if you have a, a massive uh, structure, then you got to stay way ahead of things, and and the numbers just become bigger. But in a, in a small space, uh, you know, even if you need uh, an air conditioner, for example, if you're you know you live in a desert somewhere, uh, or actually like like back in Savannah where we used to live, you the the, the peak period. I mean, it also depends on where the sun is. You know, the more north, the the higher the sun stays during the day. But like in Savannah, the the peak heat is only two or three hours in the afternoon. It gets 100 degrees, but in the morning it's 75, and as soon as the sun sets, it goes back to 80. So if you have a structure that dissipates heat quick, you're back in the 80, you, you gotta manage that 100 degree section, so you might have to put an air conditioner in, but you can set the size of the air conditioner just for those two or three hours. This is great, this is great. So now it's like we're really taking into consideration uh, the specific uh, kind of climate that we're in uh, and then sizing energy um, at devices that manage heating and cooling of the home like the, 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 the split AC or whatever to a very, very minute kind of period of the day. And so that's going to be specific to our microclimates, I suppose. But I mean, you're, you're now, you're no longer just saying, hey, give me a big air conditioner so I can cool a, you know, in, in the most, you know, um, extreme circumstances out, out here even. We have smaller homes in Hawaii generally than the mainland, but out here there are some big houses. And some people have these two, three, four, five, six, even 10,000 square foot homes, right, cooling 24-7. Uh, and there's just massive loads created by that, right? So it's like it, it, you can just, you, all of a sudden you're taking your energy inputs and you're squeezing it down considerably because you're just saying, hey, I've got a small space to, to, to manage. And within that small space, there's a very small amount of time that I need to even make an input. Uh, and that's a whole different ballgame. Absolutely. And uh, back to the container, for example, just the color of the container. Okay, so if you have a, a, a dark color, let's say red or blue, um, that will give you much more difficulties in, in a hot summer because it, it, takes, it takes about 30% more energy than a tan container. A, a tan container actually reflects 66% of the sun. So in the summer that's great, in the winter it's just enough to give it, give it heat so it, it, it doesn't get uh, too hot. So um, managing, uh, give you another sample, green roof. I mean the shipping containers are fantastic for, for green roof. So that, that's one thing we're working on. So in the summer you have your... Yep. One quick second here. So when you said green roof, are we, what, what do you mean by green roof? Can you define, because I, I myself am saying, are we talking about a specific coating or are we talking about a, a, you know, some, like some grass or what, what, do you, what do you mean by green roof? Yeah, exactly. Actually, I'm going to leave it broad right now, but because because you can, uh, you know, for example, just pots and plants. Yeah. Okay, so we have like a roof frame set up, and then you can use that roof frame to to actually shield. I mean, you could you could you could, you can put uh, you know plastic or even wooden things or uh, you know like uh, uh, planter boxes or so directly on the roof. We don't recommend that, because, but we have a roof frame where you can put it on. So if you have this roof frame, kind of like a patio. You know, yeah. you put a patio on top, and on top of that, you put uh, put plants or whatever, whatever absorbs uh, the heat, so that it doesn't get that the, the shipping container doesn't get hit. But in the winter time, you just put all these pots and plants on the ground and let the sun heat that shipping container back up. So you can really modularly, um, you, you can modularly change that composition on what type of shielding you use. So. 
this is only the beginning, and, and that's why it's, it's, I don't have a specific sample, but, but uh, uh, you, you can really, like, the one thing we manage right now is the, the space underneath the container. Okay, so in the winter we just bought some um, bales, of, uh, bales of straw and, it, and, and just put it underneath so it's, it's, it's shielded. Uh, but in the summer it's just open so that the breeze can go underneath. So all that heat dissipates underneath and in the winter you keep it. This, this reminds me of the conversation about solar panels and about the airflow underneath solar panels and, you know, dissipating heat because heat creates inefficiencies in the case of the solar panels. Um, wow, this is really remarkable. So what I what I just heard is that, you know, there's the potential to, once again, back to the dynamic uh, uh, management of the structure itself in order to manage the energy inputs uh, that are necessary, almost down to a really minuscule level. And um, so rather than, and that's that's that can be, you know, there's a certain fundamental difference to what the general renewable energy space tries to do, which is, hey, you've got a certain amount of energy that you're using. Let's produce, use, store, backfeed that energy in order to try to net zero that home. And that's kind of, you've got a big problem you're not really addressing, so let's create a whole new big, big solution to try to address that problem. Here you're talking about, let's uh, let's kind of walk away from that problem and let's use let, let's look at a, a solution for how we use energy first. And then maybe there's going to be a little bit of a delta left over for some generation, right? So but the really cool thing that I heard was this notion of moving the actual container seasonally. So what I just saw in my mind as you were talking, it's interesting because just to give you a sense of, of how uh, kind of I don't know if I want to say serendipitous, but as I'm sitting here talking with Roger on my 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 um, the desktop uh, screensaver on my computer is a picture of a container, and I didn't a container home two two twenty footers next to each other with a with a patio over top of it, and that's something that's been on my computer probably for about nine months, right? And just totally coincidental. I didn't even realize it when I opened it up. I said, "Oh my goodness, there's one right there," um, and you know the 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 thing that I find interesting about this is just what you described. Uh, the, the, the potential to, to put uh, a green, you know, plants or, or a structure or, or um, you know, some form of a green roof up on that patio structure. You can see it almost right there, right? And you could potentially move the move the container outside of that under uh, pergola or whatever type of patio roof is there in order in the winter in order to, to capture the heat and move it back in in the summer in order to reflect or absorb the heat in the case of you know green you know biomass or whatever. That's kind of what you're talking about, right? Yes, absolutely. Like you know, one sample, like I said, the the container. Uh, I mean, the ones that we have, we set them up north-south because they're very simple. In the winter, you know, at, at our uh, latitude, uh, the sun comes much more in an angle. So it, it heats the sides first uh, in the morning and in, in the afternoon. But in the summertime, it goes straight across. So the, the heating time it takes, it, it doesn't take the, it doesn't, Heat the sides for long. Okay, let me let me check. Let me just to try to help our listeners visualize this because I'm. So when you say north south, do you mean that the length, the 20 foot length? Which direction is that facing? The 20 foot length. Correct. Yeah. The the, the length of the is is north south. So if you um, if you're standing south, look north. You you're you're basically facing those big open big doors. You know. So the first thing you, you um, get in is, is like the living room, kitchenette, studio, and on the back side is actually the bathroom. So the bathroom is always a little cooler because of the north side. Okay, so what I heard is that the, the, the doors open south on the eight-foot width, 
eight foot six inch width probably right and then the um the ba the bathroom is on the north side and it's closed typically right and then your your two 20 foot lengths are uh east and west uh yes yeah Gotcha, and that that's that 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 that's positioned that way, in order to take advantage of the natural movement of the sun seasonally, right? Yeah. Correct. Yeah, because again, you want uh, some of that, you know, if 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 you want to use them, you don't have to use it, but but it, uh, then you can you can you can have that sun basically assist you with with heating it. I mean, it's the same thing if let's say you have a property, uh, and and you know, it's probably what shall I say a little very detailed detailed but just for a sample you have a property with a a uh, a tree line okay so do you want that tree line to cool the container in the morning or in the evening so on which side do you actually put it up so there's a lot of decision making there that because that has a lot to do with your energy when do you want to use energy in the morning or do you want to use energy in the afternoon so if you have solar power uh you know uh, or a battery power and you need to run an air conditioner you probably want to run the air conditioner in the afternoon because your batteries are it, all these little little things and that's a real good learning experience in a, in a small space this is just a really interesting conversation yeah the, the advent of the um of of solar air conditioning systems re, uh, out here right and that's probably about the last five years and there was a specific type of mini split that was about 12,000 BTUs uh, cooled about maybe three to five hundred square feet, depending on who you were talking to, and um, and then it integrates about nine hundred watts, about three, uh, three to four, three hundred watt pa solar panels, and it's a DC AC hybrid, so it can ramp, it can it can handle the surge via the AC current, and then it could uh, take over up to about 80, 90 percent of overall energy consumption during the sun uh, kind of peak periods, and it's running off of the the solar, which is oh, everyone was so excited about that when they came out, right? But one thing that we got out of that conversation was when are you going to use the energy when do you want this place to be cool because if you want it to be cool later in the day then you want to face those panels uh west and and that's going to allow you to be running off the solar energy during that period that you want it to be cool rather than using the grid energy during that period so we started to think in terms of uh, energy use behavior and timing in relationship to when we wanted certain things and when the sun was available. That was the air conditioning thing, right? And then uh, and another thing you just mentioned is the positioning of the house. Sometimes a, a certain position is good, or the container. Other times it may not be. So the fact that it is movable is a core kind of uh, criteria that allows it to be uh, managed, right? Because most houses are not movable. You don't have that luxury of choice. Correct. It, it, we're not just talking about moving from, you know, from one location 200 miles down the road. You could also just move it on location. You know, of course, you got to figure out logistically how to do that. But there are solutions, uh, you know, and um, so, yeah, that that is because it's such a and, and the wonderful thing is about this small space is you don't need all the solutions at the beginning. It, you can build this up, you know, like um, we have a joke, uh, uh, my girlfriend and I, uh, when should you buy a house in 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 uh, you know in the lower 48 on december 21st because that's when the sun is the lowest it's the grayest day it's the shortest day it's the darkest day if you like that house let's say you have a sunny room or something you like that house on the december 21st it's going to be good in summer and so in court but but you have to be there on the 21st so technically you know so you you're probably not going to see 50 houses on the same day but my point is with a with a container. If you're not happy with the setup, 
uh, or the insulation or the solar panel or the energy it uses, happy is, unhappy is probably the wrong word, but if you want to tweak it, you can. It's so modular that you can always change things around. You know? This is fascinating, and I think that um, I, I, like the hallmark of any good show is that we, we don't have a chance to cover everything in it. And we're, so I think what we're going to have to do here is do a series with you talking about the, the, some of the different core kind of components of this conversation. And in this particular show, we're running on about 30 minutes here, so I want to be able to wrap it so we can incorporate it into our, our, our radio show uh, for the right timing. But I would love to be able to explore the energy inputs more. And then once you get past this general kind of um, advantage of the conductivity of the the the, the, um, the container, then then also the um, movability of it, like we just said, and how to m integrate certain decisions. Then I, I think that we'll probably want to start talking about things like okay, the ubiquity of the containers that they're everywhere, and then how we go about making changes to them to turn them into living uh, uh, environments, uh, and then of course what type of things are we doing with renewable energies to make those minor inputs, right? I think that's going to be a great series, and we probably could do two or three shows with you. So um, let me ask you this, Roger. It, it, just right now, you know, maybe there's a listener out there here in Maui County uh, saying, wow, this is pretty cool. What is your message to them about this, uh, uh, about what you do, and what would you like to see happen with containers in general uh, from your perspective? And then we'll wrap the show and take it from there on our next show. Yeah, of course, I'd like to see more containers being used as a living space. But but really, um, you got to, you got to, kind of like remove, if, if, if you live in a house or something, you re remove the sides of this house, connect, you know, the, we use that, you know, reconnect to outdoors, which is fairly easy to do in Hawaii because you're spending a lot of time outdoors. But to kind of like, um, you know, like when you have a house, like fully, uh, again, I'm, I'm kind of talking low, lower 48 here, it's, it's a set space, let's say 2,000 square feet, and, and you can't, you can't make it smaller, you can't make it bigger. You know, it's just, it just kind of sits there on its own with a bunch of empty rooms. And with this, with this container concept, I mean, we do 20-foot uh, containers, but we have a lot of uh, folks that say, hey, what about two of them? You can put two next to each other. So there's, there's a lot of start the thinking process first. What, what is the core that you really want? How much do you need? Because we're talking about tiny houses, so downsizing is it's almost a must. Uh, with this, so downsizing, like uh, you know, the, the square footage that you need for one person, two person, uh, or or more, and and then kind of, yeah, what what is the setup that we want? Uh, because outdoor space is for me, is is a significant part of of tiny house living. So putting a shipping container on a camping site doesn't add much benefit to it because you're just standing next to you know a camping site. So if you if you use it as a living space somewhere, um, you know, uh, on, on with, a, with a living space around it. So that's part of the process. You know, look, start looking where you want to live. I mean, that's that's what I recommend first, because a lot of people, yeah, I want a small place where and start with where kind of early on and start thinking about that process where so it's kind of a really like, fundamentally different way of thinking about how we decide where and what to live in is what you're saying. That's really awesome. So um, we're, like I said, we're gonna ask you, hopefully be able to get you back and do another show and move into some other uh, content areas related to container homes. But if, for me, fascinating. Can't, I can't thank you enough for the time you've taken to talk with us. Really excited to learn more and really appreciate your time, Roger. Well, it was great to be on the show. Thank you for inviting me, uh, Josh.
Our pleasure. So this has been uh, Roger Brule, and his website is www.tinyhousecontainer.com. We really recommend you check it out. If you'd like to give a, a, an email, info at tinyhousecontainer.com, we'll get you right in touch with Roger, and you can uh, pick his brain just as we've done uh, here. I just noticed your byline here, your uh, tagline, reconnect to outdoors. I love it. That's a perfect way to, to end this segment. Thanks again. Thank you. That was Roger. Uh, you know, I'll tell you, he, I, we did. We actually ended up doing another session right afterwards because the, the conversation had to continue. So. Yeah, you just guys, guys just couldn't stop. But I mean, there's so much information there, and it's really fascinating. You see these these container homes really coming up more and more over time because people are going into the the, the, the economy of living, uh, trying to reduce energy use, trying to reduce their, their footprint, their carbon footprint, their yeah. global footprint. Their <laughs> well, hey, and, and folks, this is really a, a part of a series. We're going to work on a couple of different, we, we had a CEO. Alternative of, living. Oh, yeah. As a, different as a, choices in yeah. how to live, right? Yeah. Uh, tiny homes. We'll do tiny homes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd like to do domes because we're both buggy uh, fans. <laughs> and, uh, you know, container homes are right up there. We also have a conversation brewing with uh, Bamboo Living. That is an exciting uh, 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 concept towards, you know, alternative building structures. Absolutely. Um, you know, and, and you get into this conversation of, you know, how do you, I mean, like container homes, these are with the trade deficit and all these containers basically stacking up. If you can get a single use container and you have all the space to work with, then you're putting uh, something that has had carbon, you know, required to manufacture it and move it, you're mm-hmm. putting it to use and you're not creating new, uh, you know, carbon emissions uh, through that process right, less, or less, less anyway. waste over overall <clears throat> when, when it's all said and done. And if it turns out that they that that, that structure happens to be a good, uh, there's some added benefits to energy efficiency to living in a, in a good way, then why not? That's yeah, it certainly really sounds cool like it. And you think about living in a little box. I've seen wonderful structures. The pictures you came back with, yep. where where it's a couple structures connected through. It doesn't look like a container home anymore. It looks like this nice, really outdoor it, it kind of like space. Modern house. It looks, it looks like a modern like, house, exactly. Yeah, yeah, really, really sure. fascinating stuff. All right, well, that's <laughs> first the first segment in our alternative living strategies yeah. kind of series. Uh, we just I want to shout out uh, to David Grinspoon, who's the uh, astrobiologist. We just finished up an interview as well. This is queued up for a coming week. Uh, Settlement fan- of our solar system. Uh, t- well, among other things, right. <laughs> but the, basically the reason why we uh, we need to keep plugging away at keeping our planet healthy. Right. We learned a lot from David. So very good, folks. This has been the Solar Coaster. Uh, we uh, are sponsored by Sundrum Solar, Pantech Design, and LG Chem. Thanks much for a great show and look forward to a wonderful Easter weekend. Happy Aloha Friday. Have a good one.